Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Let's bring in John Crispin now. John, great to have you back. If anybody knows about the culture of UCLA, you do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody was you know, in a world where really nothing surprises you. This was one of those moments where it was, it was a surprise. Um, yeah. So let's start with this. How do you think, and the people that you know at UCLA, how are they reacting to this? You know, I think it's a little shock for them, too, because there has been a lot of pride on the West Coast about the Pac-12, even though the Pac-12 has been so down. Um, I would say the Pac-12 has been down more in terms of national recognition and national relevance, more so than it has been in competition. Yeah. In competition, the Pac-12 is great for a number of sports, and a lot of them happen to not be football and basketball. But basketball has been really strong. Football has been good, not not to the level of when it was Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush and before that Carson Palmer, and they they had just, right. just it was just they were on a roll. Oregon the same thing. I think it takes time for them to get back to that, and this might be a move towards that. I think it's been shock because it it just doesn't feel right, and I think that's something that's okay to say. Like I said it to somebody, they said, "What do you think about this?" I said, first, I got to tell you how I feel. How I feel is this is weird." It's weird to think that the, the team I transferred to that was in the Pac-12, which is as far west as you could get, you know, we're looking at the ocean for crying out loud, um, is going to be in the Big Ten. It's weird. But then when you start to sift through the weird part of it, you start to go, well, well what world are we living in today that this could happen? And, and the world that we're living in today is a business that's now allowed to be a business. You know, before – before NIL, before a lot of this, before a lot of this, the, the social issues that we're talking about in sports, within sports, you know, before all this pay for play, before name, image, and likeness, it was like a business that, you know, was under the table. It was almost like if you're going to cheat, you do it under the table and we're okay with it. Mm-hmm. Now you're talking about cheating on top of the table, right? It, it's, that's, that's the way I look at NIL. So you have people mm-hmm. building collectives and they say, you know what? It's a business. So be it. We're going to be the biggest business. Right. Well, if that's where it's going, then you have to align yourself with the biggest and the best that can get you on a level with them. And quite frankly, I think those in the PAC 12 know how mismanaged the PAC 12 conference has been. Yes. You have a, you have a conference, uh, you know, CEO, right? Are you kidding me? Uh, of all the conferences, the one that's struggling, Larry Scott wants to be recognized as the CEO of the Pac-12 and fly private jets everywhere and big suites. It, it gets to a point where the schools go, wait a second, we're the one funding this. And, and the really successful schools, and when I say successful, I don't just mean wins and losses. I mean media rights and television markets and all that. They sit there and go, wait a second, you can't do this without us. And I think it creates an environment for people like USC and UCLA to say, hey, we'll take this show elsewhere if there's a better option. Yeah. And you're at a point now where either you do it or you get left behind. And I think it's interesting with USC and UCLA because they're, they're in the, the L.A. media market. And you now ex- expand the Big Ten brand, which I don't even think it's going to be the Big Ten brand in the, in when it's all said and done because there's going to be too many people from all over the country in it. It's hard to call it the Big Ten. It's hard to call it Big Ten country. Right? What's Big Ten country anymore? What? Westwood? Yes. I mean, like <laughs> downtown LA? No, it's not Big Ten country. Like, we, Big Ten's Midwesterners, and we at Penn State were thrilled to be a part of that group. 
you know, because I think Western PA, we can identify with that, right? Sure. So, so you, you kind of have it, that, that natural fit in the Big Ten. Now you're starting to say, well, it's a business, so we go wherever. And the question is, where does it end? You know, where, where does it end? Does it end with the Big Ten? Does it end with two power conferences that are ultimately a, a conglomeration of everybody led by the Big Ten and the SEC, which is kind of right. where I think it's all going? But I think it's sad to a degree. I think it's just reality. I think we progress too quickly as human beings these days. Technology has done wondrous things for us, but it's also made us move too fast at a pace that we can't sustain. And that, that lack of sustainability is what concerns me the most. All right, so I want to take you back to your time at Westwood, which would have been 2002, three, and four. Would that be right? Right, that's pretty close. I was, yeah, I was there. Yeah. Oh, I redshirted 0102. Yeah. You're uh, funny. Yeah. Your Joe was picked up yeah. by the Lakers. Yep. Now, you know, I had better seats at the Laker game than Joe did, sure. right? Joe, Joe was in a suit sitting on the floor because Shaq took up too much space. And no, I was, I was, no I had nice seats. No yeah, surprise. I had nice seats. How yeah. many sports were at UCLA? when you were there as compared to now? In other words, the student-athletes that were on that campus compared to now, it has to be fewer student-athletes today than when you were there, right? Uh, you, you know, it's funny. That's a great question. It's not something – and, and I'll, I'll admit to this first before I answer the question. When you're there, you are so solely focused on yourself. Yeah, like, no. you can't help it. You're I, a kid. You're just – you know, you're, you're focused on yourself, your group. It's hard for me to say because there were a lot of sports that existed, particularly because of Title IX with a football team, right. you, you know, that offset – there were a lot of other sports that existed that you didn't know were sports, treated as sports, whether right. cheerleading had um, scholarships, whether there was a, a women's fencing team. There was a lot of that. Uh, sometimes it was just more scholarships uh, men, than women's soccer men, team. But, men's gymnastics but, would have been on campus at that time with you. Men's gymnastics yeah. was on campus right. at that so time. So my and, point and, is yep. they've, they've dropped sports, and be, with the pandemic combined with everything else, they're running a $102.8 million deficit. Yeah, and, uh, you know we can talk about the modern, how modern times, but sometimes isn't there a financial reality? Well, the financial reality is, is we're going to find it pretty quickly. And there's two sports on campus that make you money now, and that's interesting given the fact that look, baseball incredibly successful, yeah. UCLA softball incredibly soccer yep. successful, yeah. track and field. Come on, I mean you got incredibly successful programs. Uh, I mean more national championships, I believe, still than anybody in the country. But those are going to become activities because yeah. football and basketball is, is soon to be run solely as a business. And the question is, if you're going to run a business, why do you take things that, that lose you money? And the interesting thing is, you know what those things are? Those things are amateur athletics. Mm -hmm. you, you know, amateur athletics. This is where Joe and I do agree on something. Oh, wait That's breaking news. It's breaking yeah, that, news. That is, we, we agree, but how we get there is always different. Yes. You know, my way is way more fun. <laughs> uh, Joe's is a little bit more linear. Yeah, um, that's right. So, so we look at it and we say, like, like, this was inevitable because amateur athletics is supposed to be something that you either pay for or just break even on. But it's, amateur athletics isn't something that you make hundreds of millions of dollars right. on let alone billions of dollars on when you start making that kind of money it's no longer amateur it's someone's making money right. so we knew it had to go this way but it's interesting what i see happening is the ncaa basically spinning off and losing their two biggest assets and trying to find a way to make it work with other sports that still have value to real people mm -hmm. and that's where yeah it's a good point like it's so funny in a time where all we do is and this is not a, a, a as political as people 
hear it because it's it's political rhetoric, but it's it's actual human terminology. We talk so much about equality, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we want to talk about equality. Everybody's the same. We all want the opportunities. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens when football and basketball say, well, screw everybody else. We're making all the money. Right. Well, all of a sudden, it's like, well, you went from the 99% to the 1% and said, forget about the 99% anymore. Right. And I think that's what's happening in basketball. We're, we're becoming really hypocritical when we say, well, it's, it's about fairness, about getting your fair share. And it, well, no one's going to stop at their fair share. Plato told us that yes. thousands of years ago. Yep. You know, democracy doesn't work because people always want control. He wasn't wrong. I'm sorry. He wasn't wrong. And this has played out throughout human history. Um, and people will always want more. And that's okay. I understand it. We're in a business. It's fine. But, but don't hide behind fairness and equality when, when ultimately it's about control. And football and basketball are going to control the most because they make the most money. Everybody else will be sacrificed. It's, and it's a, it's a shame because I think there are great things that come from the entire cultural environment that is college athletics, man. Some of my best friends, uh, they didn't play the sport I played. Uh, some of the people that I looked up to the most, respected the most, they didn't play the sport I had. I right. played, yep. and and they may never get the the attention or the credit for being as great as they were. But man, they worked hard, and they were a part of that cultural environment. And and I think that will be missed more so than anything else. See, that's the part where when I look at USC and UCLA, um, that's the first thing I thought of. Well, the second thing I thought of, obviously, the fact that you know I broadcast football, basketball are going to be in. But then I thought about. The fact that the, this TV contract is going to allow all those scholarships to still exist in the Big Ten and at UCLA and USC. Now, it may affect other, yeah. other schools, but all those scholarships are all going to be preserved because now you at least have enough money to cover everything. And Penn State, which puts out its financial numbers every year in athletics, if you look at the bottom line, right, whatever, quote, profit it is, is not – I mean, it's not even eight figures. Right? It's yeah. always in the seven-figure range where they're doing whatever they can, where they're getting a rainy day fund, which yep. in 2020, by the way, it was a monsoon. But in you know a rainy day fund, and that's about what they keep in reserve is a rainy day fund for stuff, and they're not taking the money and going to a Swiss bank account. Yeah, yeah. But how about, I mean, you're talking about preserving scholarships. At UCLA, I am almost certain that 100% of their scholarships are fully endowed. Right. Well, you know, I mean, and, and Penn State, in fact, is number three overall, I think, in athletic endowments nationally, yes. I believe. I mean, so, so, but it comes down to it. And you say, all right, well, what's a scholarship? Because a scholarship doesn't matter as much to, to kids in football and basketball anymore. Like they would say, keep your scholarship, just let me play. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't want to say all of them. I'll speak for everybody. But, but of the big-ticket kids who think they're worth hundreds, if not million dollars uh, every year, the scholarship doesn't have value. It's the opportunity to make the money. So the scholarship still has value to those kids to say, look, what's a professional career as a fencer? I don't know. I still got to get a job if I want to pursue right. it. Excellent. Like, the scholarship is everything. And the scholarship to me was, was gosh, that was, that was the ultimate achievement. I got, a, I got a college scholarship, Steve, to play college basketball, to represent Penn State, I didn't represent UCLA that well. I think they forgot that I'd be even there and that was selective, um, <laughs> just not remembering that. But it's okay. Um, I, I've, always, I've always said, like, Penn State was, was me because Penn State was home. I, I, I claim Penn State because Penn State always felt like home. But, 
part of that was the environment we were in. And at that time, football and basketball were above everything else financially, but it didn't feel that way. It only feels that way today because we talk about numbers today, man. Like we talk about what everybody makes, like it is our freaking business. And and I don't get that, Steve. I, I don't, I don't get why a guy signs a contract and it has to be, you know, headline news, how much he signed for. I don't get why we have to talk about why coaches may or how coach, much coaches make. He signed for this. This is the specifics of his contract. Like, we are all up in each other's business. Yeah. And, and in doing so, we've turned the whole thing into a business. Yeah. So we celebrate the money and then we put the money up on a pedestal. And that's ultimately what we want on every level, including the, the kids coming into college. 15 years ago, I was speaking to a Penn State club in Camp Hill, and this was the time, and this is after you left, but the Patriot News was trying to get Joe's salary. Right? And the reason they wanted to is they, then they, it would open the door to get like the old main salaries. I mean, it was a means yep. to an end. Uh, and I was speaking to a club in Camp Hill, and I was asked about how curious I was about Joe's salary. And I looked at him, and I said, well, first of all, as a friend, I hope he's doing great. I said, but... I don't really need to know his number. I said, the most important thing is I need to know my number <laughs> because yeah. my number pays my bills. His number yeah. doesn't. <laughs> like It's like this Instagram world where we project everything that we want people to see also includes some sort of you know oversharing of my personal finances. It's, mm-hmm. the, yeah. it's the strangest thing to me, but we celebrate it. We put it on a pedestal, and then we tell kids don't value that. Yeah, I think that's the thing that I get where that where I just go, all right, guys, you want to complain about the world we're in, yet you created it. You know, you you can, I don't know what Jerry Dunn made as a coach. Yeah. He was my head coach. I never right. asked my coach sure. or he inquired about sure. what kind of money he made. Right. Uh, had had I known, look, he's doing pretty well, but he's not the high, he's the lowest paid coach in in the conference. I might have been a more decent human being. Yeah. Um, and, and try to make his life better, not be be a miserable pain in the butt by a two year old. At least when I didn't score, you know, when I scored, I was a, I was a peach, yes, man. Yes, you were. I even play defense. Um, but no, I, I just think the world is so different. Like, yeah. money is is the the front page. Like, if, if you go yeah. for a job, I mean, I talk to kids today, Steve. I, going for an internship and the first question they ask is money and i'm just yeah. like oh man yeah. that's not your fault you right. know what i mean i'm, I'm not I, yeah. I, I think that's the thing we like to point the finger at kids and say these kids are selfish and greedy and i'm saying what about those oil profits right but a, like what about like yeah. what about our government yeah. with taxes it doesn't yeah. it, it didn't start right. with kids right. it just trickled down that way yeah that's why it's like you know everybody everybody knows james's contract i as a friend i hope james is doing awesome but i need yeah. to know his numbers pat craft I, I hope pat is, is doing awesome financially but i don't need yeah. to know his numbers that's his business you know it's, it's like so thing. that's just how i look at it you know hey john i don't even think it's weird to us anymore i think i think yeah, it's at no. a point where we just keep going oh yeah huh? there's that that's yeah. crazy true you know soda one soda 440 million that's crazy we don't even we can't even compute I that i can't even put that in my mind by the way mega millions is coming up tonight all right so <laughs> john as always, my friend, thanks so much. And it's great. I'm glad to hear you and Joe at least agreed on something, even though it wasn't the same path. <laughs> yeah, we, we do. We agree, but it'll sound like an argument. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, John. <laughs> Thank you, Steve.